It's time once again for the Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a resource for all worship leaders and team members serving in the local church. So take a seat at the table and join the conversation as we discuss all things worship from team dynamics to technology and song selection. And now it's time for the show. Hi, everybody. Joe here. I'm on a bit of a solo adventure today. It is May, just shortly after Mother's Day. A couple things I want to share with you before we get into kind of the meat of this episode. Uh, First of all, yes, this is solo. I conducted an interview about a week and a half ago with worship artist Sarah Kroger. And I really enjoyed the interview with her, and I wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to share it. Second of all, I am actually sharing this on two podcasts. So if you are listening to Frequency, this is also available on Worship Ministry Catalyst and vice versa. Why? Well, Sarah is a worship artist, and I am fortunate enough to host both of those podcasts. At the same time, Dan at Frequency has been busy lately with conferences. He is a very busy pastoral type person. And then on the WMC side, circumstances over there are keeping folks occupied at the moment, addressing various things. So that's enough said on that topic. But I love them all, and I very much look forward to getting back to regular podcasts with everybody involved. Very shortly, we'll be queuing up the interview that I did with Sarah. In the meantime, I did want to share that about a week and a half ago, our good friend Ross King released a new song. The song is called Things That I'm Afraid Of. First of all, it's a great song. He is my friend. I am a bit biased on the topic. But let me also say this. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we at the church need to talk about it more. If you've been listening to me on the Frequency Podcast, and you will hear, of course, more from me on the Worship Ministry Catalyst, self-care and mental health are really important to me. Things That I'm Afraid Of by Ross speaks directly to his struggles with depression over the past five or six years. And it's very vulnerable. It's well-written, yes, but it's very vulnerable. And I think, well, to quote my wife, It's an important song, and it has the potential to save lives. So I will include a link in the post for the song, and I'd like to encourage you to add it to your Spotify playlist. Or even better, go ahead and buy a copy of the single, and perhaps, if it's meaningful to you, share it. We all know someone who is struggling with some kind of mental health challenge. I myself have ADD and depression runs rampant in my family. So think about it. Listen to the song, share it with some folks who you think might benefit. I appreciate you listening to my little plea there. I'll play a little snippet of Ross's song right now. You'll get a sense of what I'm talking about. When my depression is affecting every ounce of me I can get the medication and the counseling Still I can hear the fear calling out to me And I don't feel brave but I don't have to be Cause I walk through the valley of shadows And it scared me half to death But you're with me everywhere I go So I don't give up yet My fear would surely kill me If I didn't know 
truth The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you Well, I hope that resonated with you. I hope that you go out and buy the song. I hope you share it. And now you've listened to me blather long enough. It's time to listen to my interview with Sarah Kroger. I hope you enjoy it. I really did. I think she's wonderful. What a gorgeous voice. And the album is really solid. So check it out. And we will talk to you on the next episode of Frequency and Worship Ministry Catalyst. God bless and take care. Okay, for the sake of full transparency, we just started to record a second time because the first time I didn't press record. So, Sarah, yeah. Uh, so the, the first question I ask that you're going to repeat the answer for is, I'm really interested in understanding your faith background. And if you could remember the last five minutes of what you said and just repeat that, that would be amazing. Totally. <laughs> I'll try to repeat it word for word. Um <laughs> So I, uh, I was raised in the Catholic Church. I'm cradle Catholic. My parents are both um, music ministers from the time that I was a child. So um, we would go to church every single weekend, uh, go to every single Mass every weekend, um, because they had their church choirs and they were just, you know, leading music at the, at the church. And I also went to the same uh, Catholic school that, they, that was connected to that church. And so we were just very involved Um in our church community. And, and so I remember church as a child, just being community. That was what it was for me. Um, but for many years, I felt like I didn't necessarily have like a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, because a lot of it was about, you know, following the rules and just kind of going through the motions and, and doing all the practices and, um, going through the sacraments and all that kind of stuff, which it wasn't bad to me. It just was, it was just, that was what church was. And so, um, I remember kind of the first time that I had a very personal encounter with Jesus was at a Steubenville, this conference called Steubenville Youth Conferences. And there it's a Catholic event, but it's very charismatic. And, um, there's like praise and worship and a band leading that and there's lights and, you know, it's very different from like traditional Catholic, uh, kind of no kidding. Uh, churches. Yeah. Yeah. So, but still very Catholic. And, uh, and I remember going to that conference and for the first time I realized that Jesus was a real person who wanted a real relationship with me. It wasn't just about the rules. It just wasn't just about God being somewhere out there in the clouds, you know? Um, it was about Jesus being real and wanting a relationship with me. And it kind of just like completely changed everything for me, um, and changed my faith. And I, I, dove into it in a way that I hadn't before and, um, really just started embracing, embracing the church in a way that I hadn't. Um, and it really became very much about a relationship rather than about the rules and just following the practices and kind of going through the motions. It became, became about a relationship for me. So that's kind of a little bit about my upbringing. I'm still Catholic, and uh, and some days are easier than others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. I love our faith, and I um, what's beautiful to me about it is I feel like, especially being able to have conversations with different Protestants throughout the years, I feel like. Catholics have a piece of the puzzle that Protestants don't have, and Protestants have a piece of the puzzle that Catholics don't have, and coming together, it's this beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Um, 
and what Jesus fully intended it for it to be. I don't know what that will look like, you know, uh, complete Christian unity, but I really believe that that we all kind of have a piece of the puzzle. And um, if we work together, maybe we can make something more beautiful than we've ever seen. So that's what I believe about it. No, I appreciate that sentiment. It makes me think about, okay, what's it going to be like when we get up there, assuming we all make it, right? And go, <laughs> oh, oh, I kind of see how that fits now and exactly. how we were all uh, maybe mostly right and quite a bit wrong. Yeah. And thank you, God, for your grace anyway. Exactly. Um, yeah, when I, when I saw, like in the notes ahead of time, that your parents were both involved in music ministry. Yeah. You know, growing up Catholic, I remember the first time mm-hmm. that I went to a non-Catholic church and saw them do worship music, which I didn't know what it was. It was just, that's not what we do. Um, Where is Here I Am, Lord? Where is On Eagle's Wings? You know, (laughs) those those songs that were just, you know, I just recall showing up to church and looking on the board to see what the song numbers were, because I had memorized the song numbers of those that I really, really liked. Yeah. And to go in and have somebody saying, you know, Lord, I lift your name on high, or or some of those uh, kind of uh, I'll call them early, but they were contemporary yeah. to me, and going, I don't know if I understand this. I don't even know if I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I Because it was just, it was a muscle that I had never used before. Right. Um, so I, I imagine it's a little like what it, it must have been really shocking for you to go to a conference like that and then to have it be completely different than what you had been used to from a worship perspective. Did it kind of throw you off your game? Yeah, it definitely did. But I think the reason why, in the best way possible, because a lot of contemporary worship has very, um, just different language than the traditional kind of hymns of the Catholic Church. It's very much like about Jesus and you and kind of like, again, about relationship and about, uh, and, and it kind of portrays God and, um, and portrays his nature and like things about like qualities about God in a way that I had never really thought about before or really been, uh, it hadn't really been talked about in that way before, um, in, in my experience in the church. And so I don't know. So that's kind of part of the reason why I love being a, um, a worship leader in the Catholic church. And, um, and, you know, I do I do all kinds of events. It's not just Catholic events, but that's primarily where I've been for the past couple of years um, as I've been developing as an artist. And that's why I love doing what I do, because I feel like there's a lot of churches, at least Catholic churches, that ne- don't necessarily have an understanding of, like, the Holy Spirit. We, we understand the Trinity, but, like, there's not necessarily this relationship with the Holy Spirit or, or a relationship with Jesus in a personal way, it's very intellectual and kind of, uh, and not very heart-based in a lot of places, I would say. And so that's kind of why I love doing contemporary worship in the Catholic Church is to just introduce people to this new language and this new way of thinking about God and praying to God. Um, it's foreign in a lot of Catholic churches. And so it's kind of been fun to be able to be a part of that, a small part of helping people to recognize that to the worship. Yeah, there's, um, some people can say, that uh, Catholic is a little, I think I've heard the term business-like, mm. um, which may, may or not be fair. I, yeah. I, for me, I almost had to take a step, uh, taking a step away from the Catholic Church made me recognize the beauty of the ritual yeah. and how there is, uh, it can be deeply personal, but 
it's almost a chicken and the egg situation. That mm-hmm. You almost have to have that personal relationship to truly appreciate the the, right. the, the, the ritual that is in there and it's in a, and the beauty of it. Right. Um, well, I appreciate you sharing some of that uh, that journey with us. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about your album, which came out on April 26th. The uh, the name is Bloom. Yes. Um, it's actually your your third album, but it's your first with uh, integrity, so with a with yeah. a major major label. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. very exciting. <laughs> It's very, been very six exciting. years since Hallelujah is our song. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about why there's a, a big distance between those. But uh. <laughs> I know. It's disappointing. It really is. Um, well, I mean, I've released singles along the way, but I think, honestly, I was in a crazy season of life. I'd gotten married in those six years. We moved like three times, and uh, it was oh, wow. just kind of a very busy season. I was very focused on... I went from being kind of part-time leading worship on the road and being a nanny part-time. And then I just decided I, well, not decided God kind of pushed me to, to make the leap and go full-time. And so I was kind of making this transition into full-time leading worship and travel and just focusing on that. And so a lot of my energy was like on personal life and on traveling and, um, it wasn't, and I was writing that whole time, you know, I would come to Nashville and write and, um, I think that was what made it the best though, is I, I wasn't for the previous albums, I would come to Nashville for a week, we'd write. And those were the songs that went on the album, um, for my previous two. But for this project, it was really like, okay, I want to take my time really diving into what God's trying to say through my life right now. And through these experiences that I'm going through and, um, and just kind of figure out what it is that I need to do next. And so there's a lot of space and a lot of time, and I don't think I'll ever go five years again, hopefully, before uh, <laughs> recording another album. But it was really, honestly, a beautiful process just to be able to give God space to speak and uh, and allow time to happen. So, yeah, it's been pretty awesome. So uh, the songs that are, that, are, that are in this collection, are yeah. they... Um, like you just mentioned that previously you'd show up for a week and write as much as you could. And that was your album. So this is cultivated over these five years. Did you have like a hundred songs and you went, these are the, these are the best or did you, or how, you know, how did you pull these specific songs together? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, we didn't have a hundred (laughs) songs. It seems like you would in five years, doesn't it? But, um, I didn't have a, I didn't have that many, but I had probably uh, close to thirty. I would say that I whittled down from, and that was part of it too. Was that was the awesome part is that there for me personally, there's no like throwaway songs on the album. You know, there's no like space fillers on the album. You know, um, which sometimes happens when you are doing a full length project. You just need like okay, I just need to fill song number seven, you know, (laughs) this might not be my favorite, but we'll just put it on there. But for me, these songs are really like integral in, in my walk, uh, in my personal walk and have been really just speaking into my own life and my own spiritual life and uh, like every single one of them. And so I'm just really proud of this project and really, um, happy with what we came up with. And, uh, yeah, just in, I, I really, I really like every song that's on the project. I can't say that there's one that I'm like disappointed with. So that kind of having the time and to write as many as I did, um, and be able to really choose the ones that are really special to me was really kind of fun and good. Now, I know that Audrey Assad was your producer. She's mm-hmm. co-written a bunch of the songs. Yeah. 
what kind of role did she play in terms of shaping what songs were going to be, were going to make the cut? I, I'm, I'm yeah. sure that it had less to do with the fact that she helped write it. I'm sure that had nothing to do with <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I wrote this song, so let's put it on there. No. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she was so great to work with, just incredible. And, um, She's never produced for anybody before. She's produced for herself, but she'd never produced for anybody else. And so I was kind of a guinea pig, and I was thankful to be a guinea pig, honestly, because yeah. um, it went really well. And so we went in actually about a year ago, May, um, we went into the studio and started pre-production and just kind of sat down. And I, I sent her all the songs that I had ahead of time, and she listened through them, and I listened through them, and we kind of both just whittle them down, you know, talking about the theme of the album and where I was at and what I wanted to accomplish with it. And it just kind of started taking shape without us having to really put a ton of hard work into it, you know? Um, and we just kind of started hacking away at different songs. And I, I think at one point there were maybe two or three songs that we thought were going to be on it that we started working on. And then it just didn't click with the rest yeah. of the, you know, the rest of the direction of the album or whatever it might be. Like we just didn't feel like it, it worked. And so it was kind of a process that we went through together during pre-production of figuring out what songs we wanted. And then in the middle of pre-production, we realized that we needed a middle kind of a middle song. Um, so we wrote one in the middle of pre-production. <laughs> so oh, which one was that? Of, that was wildflower. That's based on, uh, it was based on kind of the instrumental pieces that we had written. We wanted an instrumental piece to kind of tie the whole thing together from beginning to end. And so we had, you know, a prelude and uh, one at the very end of the album. And then we decided to write a song based on that in the very middle. So yeah, that's wildflower. You got those. So you got those bookends of bloom one and bloom two, yeah. realizing there's the, the live song at the end. And then right. you have wildflower is kind of the, um, that center Middle point piece. that transitions. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it's neat. I, I really love that convention of, of bringing people in with a theme. Uh, one, one thing I noticed uh, when I listen to pieces, which of course is the one song that uh, you didn't write, uh, but it but was one that was a, an early release, um, is some of the, you kept some of the organic sounds of the room on the recording. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I assume that was intentional. Uh, yeah. Do you recall kind of that decision to, um, to keep the, the, the background sounds in there and, and what that was about? Yeah, I think we just wanted to capture what it would be like, like for everyone to just feel like they were in the room with us, you know, um, the rest of the songs are very much produced and kind of, you know, you could tell they were in a studio, but I think for that particular one, we wanted kind of this moment of like making people feel like they were just sitting in the room with us and we were just playing on a piano and I was standing next to the piano and singing it, you know, um, that was kind of our intention to make it kind of this like moment of intimacy really with the listener. Um, so that was well, for sure intentional. Yeah. Well, you definitely get that sense to oh, me. Thanks. It, it very much drew me in. I actually didn't mm. get a, a pre-release version. So thankfully this got scheduled this week so I could listen to oh, it good. over the weekend, but bloom, I mean, pieces was one of those songs that was out a little earlier that I could queue up and listen to when yeah. I went, Oh, this is special. And yeah. the interplay between, uh, your voice and Audrey's, you know, because she's got that, you know, that, that kind of pristine voice. That yeah. Your voices are not dissimilar, 
yours yeah. maybe a bit richer in some areas and they just kind of work together so well. I went, okay, yeah. this is the intimacy that you're talking about, which comes across plus the interplay, your voice. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going to be pretty, <laughs> this is going to be pretty wonderful. Oh, uh, thank you. I will yeah. say that one of the things when I got the press release, you know, you know, not that anybody who's listening really cares about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> you know, I always kind of scan through and say, is this somebody that, that I might be really interested in chatting with? And I looked at the track listing and I went, uh, yeah, because mm. I saw some of my favorite people and including people that we've talked to uh, oh, on so. there, um, you know, PJ Anderson. And, oh, uh, great. And we've talked to Audrey before. Uh, yeah. The one that jumped that um, uh, I was surprised to see was Ross King yeah. uh, on there. And he's a really good friend of mine. No way. Yeah, I love Ross. Uh, oh, he's, he's great. Yeah. So I wondered if you would take a moment and could we talk about Open, which I think is a lovely yeah. song, and about how, well, and of course, Sarah Hart, who's on my list of people that I need to interview. And she just oh, did a pass. Oh, you absolutely have. Yes. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. And I didn't see Josh Blakesley on there, which I thought, well, where's Josh? But um, <laughs> he, well, he produced actually the When I See You live track. Um, oh, so he is there. Okay. Yeah, so, he's on there. Yeah. Uh, it makes me happy that I can actually name a few Catholic artists. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> well, we That's still, so good. we, we got to get Sarah. Uh, heart on, yeah. and we got to get Matt on. Um, but I think yeah. we got pretty much everybody else. Oh, not Adam. We don't have Adam. But mm-hmm. and then Dom on there on highest. Is that your husband? That's my husband. Yeah. That's Sneak husband. him in there with that different last name. I see how you did that. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, so tell me about Open. How that song yeah. got written, and uh, and what that represents to you. Sure. So I wrote that with Ross King and Sarah Hart. We. Um, that was the first time that I had met Ross was that day. And we actually wrote two songs in a day, um, which, which was impressive for us. Uh, we got through them in like four hours, um, yeah. wrote two songs and, um, open was just a simple idea. We just wanted to write a song about being open before the father and, um, a song that I could lead during a worship set that was really easy for people to catch on to. And that just was a simple prayer of being open. Um, and so it kind of came out super quickly and just happened. And, um, yeah. And Ross is just such a great writer and he's such a funny guy. And, um, so just incredible. So, and Sarah is the same. I mean, I've, I've written, I think Sarah Hart and I wrote, I want to say five tracks on this album. She maybe got five cuts. So she's, she is someone that I write with a lot. Um, cause she's such a prolific writer specifically with lyrics. And so, um, I just loved writing with both of them and that song in particular was really special to me. So, and it's kind of like a unique, it's kind of got some unique chord changes in it. Um, which I, I, as a music person find, uh, interesting. So, as, so it's not just like the same, like, uh, chord pattern that a normal worship music is, you know, so that kind of makes it interesting to me, but yeah. So with Sarah Hart there and Ross and I, they're both very lyrically strong. Did yeah. do you go into the melody and music mode for that session? Yeah, I would. So lyrics are actually my weakness. I would say I'm not a very prolific lyric writer. Um, I'm working on it. That's part of the reason why I moved to Nashville is to, is to learn from other incredible songwriters. Um, my, my thing is melody. I have melodies running through my head 
like all day long. My voice yeah. memos are filled with all kinds of ideas and, uh, they'll just, I'm singing all the time. So, um, some melodies are for sure, like where I, where I thrive and where I, uh, have most of my ideas. So, yeah. So, and that's why I love co-writes is because you just kind of get in a room with people that have, you know, everyone has their different strengths and weaknesses and, um, you kind of just lean on each other and, you create something out of nothing and it's the most thrilling experience, honestly. So, yeah. That sounds wonderful. And that makes sense why you and Sarah Hart would, would partner yeah. up on songs. Then if you're bringing that melodic strength and she's bringing lyrical strength, you really must complement each other very well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, she also has incredible melodic strength as well, but <laughs> sure, sure. But it is, yeah, it's really fun to, be able to go in there and say, I have this melody idea. We do that a lot. I'll say, I have this melody idea. And she'll be like, well, what about these lyrics with it? And we'll just go to town and it, it just works. So it's That's fun. wonderful. Yeah. Well, let's good. transition a bit because I know that a certain inspiration came from when your parents split when you were 10. Mm. And um, are you comfortable if we talk about that a little bit? Of course. Yeah. And I will say that um, my parents divorced when I was 19, 20 years old, and I mm -hmm. thought this isn't going to be that big a deal because my generation, I grew up late 70s, early 80s. It seemed like everybody, everybody I went to school with, their parents were divorced. It was hard really? to find parents who were still together. And it seems wow. like that happens less frequently now, for at least in the community I'm in. Mm. Um, could you talk to me a little bit about uh, what that was like for you, especially with your parents in the church? Yeah, well, it it was very uh, traumatizing, honestly, because like yeah. I had said at the beginning of this interview, so they were both music ministers at this church, at this parish, and um, very involved. We were very involved in the community. Um, and so when they split, it was very messy, um, and everyone was involved because we were kind of in the public eye. And so yeah. it kind of forced my mom and uh, the rest of my my brother and my sister, um, my mom really felt like we needed to move and leave that community because it was just kind of people were talking and it was just kind of like not a very toxic environment and it wasn't yeah. good. And so, um, in a lot of ways, my mom did an incredible job because she just kept putting us at the feet of, of Jesus and, uh, you know, showing us back to church and bringing us back to church and just very much centered on Christ. Um, and so God really, I believe, got us through that entire time. But it was a very messy time, and I uh, I ended up dealing with um, kind of a series of uh, depression and anxiety when I was 18 years old. I, I was diagnosed with severe depression and anxiety, and I think it was because I was for so many years just kind of pushing down these emotions, pushing down these feelings, not wanting to be a burden to anybody, just kind of like pushing it down, hiding behind masks, just kind of keeping it closed off. And when I graduated from high school, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I just couldn't, I just, I just couldn't figure it out anymore. And so, um, I ended up having to be on medication for a while. And I remember in that season, just feeling very, very distant from God, very, abandoned, yeah. very, um, just so far away. But now looking back on that time, I, I can see all the ways that God was weaving 
uh, in and out of my story and just taking care of every single detail, just leading me to the right doctors and the right people and the right counselor and the, you know, having these different incredible friendships that were, that really got me through and an incredible youth group and an, and an amazing uh, youth minister who really just spoke into my life and, and really helped me in that, in that season to, to go back to the Lord and, um, and find healing in the Lord. And so, although it was like, the worst time of my life. And, uh, I can look back on it now and just see how God was with me in that and how it's made me who I am today. And it's, it's just kind of crazy when you think about suffering, how I be obviously nobody wants it, but yeah, it's so formative and can be the thing that leads you closest to the father's heart <laughs> than anything else. You know what I mean? Um, like, I don't know that I've ever been closer to God and, and I didn't feel it in the moment, you know? Um, but now looking back, I can see how, it, how that scripture verse rings true. He, God is close to the brokenhearted, you know? Um, so it definitely was very formative for me and, and transformative, but the hardest thing I've ever walked through for sure. And it's still, you know, divorce is one of those things that just continues to rear its ugly head. So like, when yeah. I graduated from high school, it was there. When I graduated from college, it was there. When I, you know, got married, it was there. It's just all these different seasons of your life. You're just reminded, oh, my family is broken, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting. It's constantly, it, it constantly reminds me that I need healing and, and need God's presence. You know, it's really, you know, you say that it's really not unlike Paul and the thorn is that, mm. You know, is and I think about it like grief because divorce is is very much about grief as well. Something yeah. that once was alive no longer is in terms of that covenant exactly. of marriage, and as uh, those people who have um, walked through grief understand that when something is gone, dies or whatever, that you know you have Christmas and you go, we're not meeting around the Christmas tree this year yeah. because dad's here, mom's there. And, um, and like you said, you got married, uh, what, almost four years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the dynamic of getting married, um, is just a, a little different when you're looking at, okay, yeah. you know, when I got married, uh, in 2000 and, you know, my parents had been divorced for 10 years or something, but mm. it's still like, um, okay. I mean, yeah. you guys get along. Okay. But it, there's something incomplete uh, right. about this experience. Um, right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, and I especially appreciate the fact that um, your willingness to share how it hurt, but also, you know, as you're coming out of that, that, um, you know, you were surrounded by people, um, you embraced some resources to help you, um, and um, that you weren't afraid to say anxiety and depression, because sometimes yeah. we, we struggle with that in the church to, yeah. to acknowledge that, they're, these are real things and yeah. we need to lift people up. Well, for sure. And I think, I think a lot of people, more people than we know struggle yeah. with it. And, and it's kind of like this stigma, especially against like getting help outside of just like a pastor, you know, <laughs> like there right. are things like for me, it was a chemical imbalance and there was no amount of, you know, therapy that was going to fix that. I needed medical intervention. And that's why God made medicine, you know, that's why yes, God yeah. made medicine to help us out. And thank, praise God, I'm, I was able to wean off of it. But 
I needed it for a certain amount of time. And there's people who, who need it. And that doesn't make you, you know, any less of a person, um, than anyone else. It's just, it just means that there's something a little bit off and you just need a little bit extra help, you know? Um, but I definitely think that there's a stigma out there against it and people just don't like to talk about it because it's, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable and, um, but I'm, I'm kind of like, well, I needed it (laughs) and it got me through and it really honestly saved my life. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's, that's just good for us to, uh, I think it's good for people to hear that it's so that, that God can work in many different ways. Um, it doesn't just have to be, um, a a miracle that, you know, uh, shoots out of the sky. It's through people, it's through science, it's, it's through all kinds of things. We just need to be open to it and, um, and be careful about shame. Shame's one of those things that I I really, um, I'm anti-shame. Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) me too. Me too. I agree. Well, um, we've, we've used up most of your time here. We didn't even talk about how much time we would be talking. So we've been talking for (laughs) for just about a half an hour and I want to respect your time. Um, but, uh, there, there was one more question I was going to ask you. Sure. We have talked a little bit about self-care. Yeah. And, uh, I'm wondering if you have, it sounds like self-care is part of what you do to stay healthy, both, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Yeah. What's your go-to self-care? Mm, that's a great question. Um, for me, honestly, I love, um, this is going to sound super, maybe over spiritual, but <laughs> I, I have been really into making sure that I take a Sabbath every week. And what yeah. I mean by that is because so most weekends I'm traveling on Sundays, I'm at an event or I'm working at an event or I'm, you know, uh, traveling back from an event. And so I noticed maybe about a year ago that I was just getting really burnt out, like to the point where I was like, I don't know that I can do this anymore. And I realized what I was doing was I would get home from an event and I would work Monday through Friday and I would fly out to another event and I would work Friday through Sunday and I would just work (laughs) constantly. So, um, I've been really trying to take either Monday or Tuesday or what, just any day during the week and just take it off. Um, whether that's, you know, going and uh, golfing with my husband, we really like to golf. We sound like a pair of 80 year old retirees (laughs) from Florida, but we love to golf. Um, and, or whether it's, you know, going to church or having, I, I love to have silent time, I, which sounds ironic because I'm a worship leader and I, I do love to pray with worship, but silence is huge for me. It's a huge way that I connect with God and um, just find my kind of grounding again. So I would say Sabbath days are a huge way that I um, kind of take care of myself. And also I, I see a therapist and um, I work out and, you know, try to just stay healthy and hydrated. And I'm pretty crazy about my voice when it comes to, um, seasons when I'm traveling a lot, like I don't drink and, um, I really am careful about what I eat, things like that. So yeah, just a lot of, a lot of self-care things, but mostly just taking a Sabbath day, taking a day or two off every single week has been huge, huge in my walk. So well, thank you for sharing that. And I don't yeah. think it is over spiritual to say you take well, a good. Sabbath because <laughs> so many of us, you know, we struggle to take time off because we live in a society that doesn't affirm us 
exactly. for taking care uh, to for taking that time off. And yeah. um, so oh. good for you for being assertive enough with yourself to say, I need this time off. Yeah. And I and and for putting those barriers around to make sure that you have it. Yeah, thanks. Well, I've really enjoyed this. I appreciate. I mean, I think we could probably talk a lot longer, but I yeah. also want people to listen and, and not <laughs> and not shut it off yeah. um, after they get tired of hearing me. So, oh. just to, to remind people that the, the the release is Bloom. It came out April twenty sixth, so it's already available. Yeah. Um, I know that you can stream it, folks, but uh, we like to support artists. So, why don't you go ahead and just buy it? And then you can stream it as much as you want, but consider investing as a small investment in uh, in an excellent artist. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. You bet. Thanks for joining us once again on the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. And make sure to add your voice to the conversation. You can find us at twitter.com slash WM Catalyst. On Facebook at facebook.com slash Worship Ministry Catalyst. Or head over to worshipministrycatalyst.com and drop us a note. 